Twenty years ago, Simone Marian started Girls Leadership. Uh, the web address is girlsleadership.org, and they equip girls with the skills to exercise the power of their voice. And we're going to discover a lot of answers on how to continue to coach girls to be their best self with their best voices. I so cherish the, the opportunity to sit down with you today and, and, and learn more about girls' leadership. Uh, we hosted that fantastic dinner here mm, two months ago. Something like that, yep. And uh, I, I shared with all, everyone that was attending that you know, having two girls, having strong women in my life, having grandmother was strong, everything. It's so killer to learn more about what you're doing and to hear about it and promote it. Really. Well, thank so, you. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Yes. I've loved um, since the dinner following you on Instagram and getting to see you with your girls, getting to see what it looks like for you to be out there yeah. modeling strength and risk-taking and all the stuff we talked about at that meal. Yeah. So good to be back. Yeah. Well, tell me how, how, you, how this started. How many years ago was it, actually? I started doing the work of girls' leadership in 2002, uh, though we've been a nonprofit for only about 10 years. So almost 20 years we've been doing the work, and I started it uh, living in New York City, and the uh, co-founder was Rachel Simmons, who wrote All Girl Out and Curse of the Good Girl, and now her latest book is called Enough As She Is. And um, I came to this work from my cultural background, which is New England, uh-huh. which means for me that I was born fine. It's amazing. I come from generations of women. We're all fine all the time. Uh-huh. Um, what do you mean by fine? Like, by f- we're okay? We're, we're good enough? We're perfect? What do you mean no, by fine? No, I mean, um, there's, we're never experiencing any difficult emotions. So we're not sad or, or jealous or hurt. Like, uh-huh. n- nor are we joyous or elated or anything very positive. It's we're like, fine. we're just fine. We're fine. We're like this midline all the time. Uh, and so I think growing up in that culture, when I met Rachel, she was teaching high school girls this workshop called how to have a conflict mm-hmm. and I thought that's so weird but we're why not would you, why would um, we do this conflicts yes. are what we avoid why would yes. we teach anyone this and every piece of the workshop like every talking point I was so profoundly uncomfortable with it where mm-hmm. she would say it's really important to share your feelings and I was like, well, no. not me. No. no. <laughs> There's a rug here, and that's where I put it under. Thank Hello. you for understanding. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, <laughs> and she talked about, well, you have to acknowledge your mistakes. And I yeah, thought, uh-uh. I don't make them. Like, do <laughs> you understand? Yes. Right? I'm yes. perfect. And, like, I guess children should do that. You know, that's maybe. good for kids, maybe, but not me. Uh, yeah. And then this. But they'll grow out of that. I mean, as they become <laughs> yeah. women, they become yeah. perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. That's the whole thing. Um, and then the final step of the workshop was how to ask for what you need. And I thought, yeah. I don't have needs, right? Yeah. Like, I'm the girl who's a joy to have in class. Uh-huh. And what it means to be a joy to have in class or on a team is like, I'm the easygoing one that doesn't rock the boat or make waves. Yeah. So for me, girls' leadership was on one part like a deeply selfish act because it was for me the realization 
that the way I was raised to operate in the world as this even keeled boat that makes no waves, it's actually not the way the world operates, mm -hmm. right? Where if I proceeded that way, I was not going to have any of my needs met, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be able to go through anything hard or challenging. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was on one hand deeply selfish, and on the other hand, I was teaching at two different all-girls schools in Manhattan, mm -hmm. um, one on the Upper East Side that was private, one in East Harlem that was public, so two totally different girl worlds, mm -hmm. totally different cultural expectations of what it means to be a girl, mm -hmm. two totally different socioeconomic groups, and across those differences, I could see that the expectations of girls in these two very different communities were also pushing those girls to separate from their internal experience. What do they think and feel and believe and need? Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of this triangle of like, whoa, I, I need this for me selfishly as a 25-year-old woman in New York. Mm -hmm. I can also see in this super privileged community, these girls aren't getting the skills that they need. And I could see in a community of color, uh, that was uh, low income, that those girls were also learning a way of showing up in the world that wasn't ultimately going to serve them. Mm -hmm. so, um, so it was that, that group realization that made me continue to invest more and more time in this curriculum. Yeah. And when you spoke at the dinner, mm -hmm. you talked about how your approach had changed from when you first started. Your curriculum has changed quite a bit. And when was that shift? If it's 20 years ago, when was the sh when did the shift happen? Yeah. Well, I'd say the initial seed of the curriculum, what makes the girls' leadership curriculum powerful is that it's all based in social-emotional learning. So it's all internal skills, invisible skills that you can't see by looking at a girl that she probably, as she becomes a woman, can't put on her resume, right? So this is about self-awareness, self-respect, communication, all those. That's what was the original seed of the girls' leadership curriculum. And then over the years, the last two and a half years, I'd say especially, it's been really evolving to become a much more culturally responsive curriculum and uh, where we're asking girls to look at not just gender expectations, but expectations of their whole identity, so uh, expectations that might come from uh, their, their race or ethnicity, their sexual orientation, class expectations, role, you know, what's their role in the family or role in their community. Mm -hmm. And so it's much more now, the, the curriculum is now much more of a dialogue where girls are saying, this is who I am, these are the skills that I've learned in my community and my identity both this is what's working for me in terms of getting my needs met in relationships and relationships and advocating for others and this is what's holding me back and then we're now dialoguing about what's not working rather than what we would have done 10 years ago is come in and say here's a set of skills that's really important that everyone should learn mm -hmm. now we're being much more nuanced mm -hmm. um, about what a girl might already know I remember you saying something like, um, you might have started, this could be like year one, mm -hmm. where you kind of have a sheet to kind of, okay, class kind of mm -hmm. girls, um, 
let's talk about you know having a good firm handshake or something like that. Was that your example? And, yeah. And, and then they quickly realize that this is way beyond that. That it's, it's beyond even those those little gestures. Yeah. So originally we set out to teach leadership in the traditional sense that I think even today most people think of as leadership skills. Uh-huh. Right. It's it's an interesting exercise to ask someone. What leadership skills do you think anyone needs, man, woman, anyone? Um, And sometimes uh, what often comes to mind first are external things that we can see. So people will say public speaking Uh first, and then they'll talk about um, eye contact and a firm handshake. And so that's what we initially set out to teach. Do you still teach that? No. No. (laughs) I mean, we we teach... eye contact still in a more nuanced way than we did. But what we originally did is we had girls line up in two rows, make eye contact with (laughs) each other. It was horrible. I mean, I Uh, I know I'm laughing, but it's also, you know, it's fascinating to hear the... the Yeah, it was was bad. Uh, So they walked towards each other, partners walked towards each other, and they would, we asked them to have firm handshakes with one another, with their partner. And you can can totally imagine a group of high school girls and the uh, like the eye rolls and the oh right the like attitude that came dripping off of them during They're this texting exercise. each other now right there was no, none of that then but um yeah. so that's it was from that conversation when we asked them like why don't you want to do this where is all this attitude coming uh, from that's when they said to us we know how to do everything you're asking us to do yeah. We know how to do handshakes. We know how to make eye contact. We don't want to. And when we got into that conversation of why don't you want to? Like, what's uh-huh. what's that thought process? They said things like, um, well, what will people think? I don't want to be the girl who looks like she's all that. What if I do it wrong? So it was both like, what will the person think of me who I'm shaking the hand with? But what will the people watching me shake hands make Mm -hmm. eye contact think about and that's when we realized oh this isn't external like what's holding us back Mm -hmm. is the internal processing and that's when the curriculum became a social emotional curriculum Mm. what would you say uh, about like how maybe the generations might have changed as you maybe watched and maybe it is just one and a half generations but you know what are girls um, having to work on today that they wouldn't have worked on five years or 11 years ago and 15 years ago. It may be a different example than technology. And <laughs> answer that one too. But Right. Know. I think, I mean, and there's, there's studies that back this up. I just think there's so much more pressure now. on It feels like every couple of years as we sit back and reflect and it becomes like especially... Well, it's different. The pressure is different in different communities and different cultures, but for everyone, it's becoming harder to get into college, right? So, if these girls are growing up in a community that is a college-bound community, where that's mm-hmm. the expectation for them and the and the people that they know, mm-hmm. then the stress of that begins much earlier. Like they know they're on this track. When do they start getting stressed? Well, we ask girls, um, we do this exercise in our workshops um, around perfection, and we ask girls, hmm. it's interesting, if they feel pressure to be the perfect student, artist, athlete, friend, daughter, 
and give them a little list of all the roles they have in life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting because we do this exercise with the girls together with her grown up. So most of the time it's mom, sometimes it's dads or a caregiver. Um, and I would say second or third grade in privileged oh communities, gosh. we see about 80% of the girls say, I'm trying to be perfect in all these ways. Huh. But what's fascinating is their parents are there, at, and you know, our caregivers answering the same question at the same time, and that's about eighty percent of them too. There's just oh yeah yeah yeah. Right, so it's not like a girl world perfectionism. The perfectionism and the stress isn't this like girl world bubble phenomenon where it's like oh what's happening to our girls? They're part of something. I think most of us parents, when we sit down and talk about it, we're like, oh, man, me too. Do you right? feel stressed and pressured? Do I feel? Do I? Um, yeah, I'd say I go in and out of it. I think I. Um, I think with almost twenty years of looking at perfectionism, I'm pretty conscious of it. So I wouldn't say it doesn't happen. I have the moments where I'll look at the photo on Instagram, or I'll be in somebody else's home and feel like have this sense of like oh, I'm not enough. But then I can also see it at the same moment and be like, where is that coming from? Mm -hmm. Like, why when I have so much, I'm so lucky and so right. Then like so I feel like I have the thoughts, but I also kind of check them out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think I have what I recognize from doing this work a superpower from growing up with a learning difference where I failed fast early. Like uh -huh. I didn't get an A until junior year of high school. Uh -huh. So unlike a lot of these girls who are crushing it starting in second or third grade, what uh -huh. I see with them is their whole identity and sense of self-worth uh -huh. comes from these achievements in school and sports and art. But I think for some of us that had no option to achieve uh, in those areas, then I think that the superpower is you develop an identity or sense of self-worth that is not connected to grades. Mm -hmm. So I think there's parts of this curriculum that are, like I mentioned, are selfish and for me, but when it comes to perfectionism, that's not one that is uh, one of my main issues. <laughs> so, um... Hmm. This is kind of a question for you then, but maybe you could answer like one of your students. Yeah. Like, uh, what would your younger self tell yourself now about how, you know, about how you're having this identity and, and this healthy, you know, self-satisfaction when you're um, eight years old and 15 years old? And Sorry. Oh, yeah. No. Do you want to ask that again? Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to be clear, like I guess I could ask you, like, what would yeah. you, what would you tell yourself now or then if you knew it, because you know it now. Around perfectionism. Uh, and healthy, um, more like a healthy attitude and, and and confidence. In terms of what we teach, yeah, I think I would tell myself that relationships do matter. I think some girls grow up from parents or communities that really believe that their girls being part of a squad or having a bestie, like that's really important to their families and their families are part of a social circle. I didn't grow up in a family where there was a lot of social connections. 
And so I'm not sure that I invested in connection and communication the way that now this is what I focus on every single day is like, how, how do we really communicate and connect to other people? Um, so, and I also would have told myself that n nobody is born like knowing how to do all this, like knowing mm -hmm. how to have healthy friendships, or I wouldn't have used the word healthy when I was nine years old, but you know, nobody is, um, you know, how, how to have friendships. I think when you're little, it just seems like everyone is doing this so effortlessly and you're the only one that's struggling or you're the only one that's insecure or awkward in a moment. And I think our girls, I tell this to parents all the time, I think our girls are dying to hear from their parents like, oh, I was insecure today too. Like I had to work my way through this moment or I had to figure out how to have a conversation with this person that wasn't surface. Like I hear from adults all the time, I don't want to make small talk. I want to have real conversations. But that's a skill that you learn, right? So I think mm -hmm. um, what I would tell myself or other girls is we are all, not just other girls, boys, adults, all of us in humanity, we're all struggling with this stuff. Social skills are not this um, skill for people who are odd or different. Like we all need social skills. We all need this practice. And you, because you're a girl, yeah. it doesn't mean that you're any more ready to have this amazing mythical BFF friendship that girls are taught they're supposed to have. Uh -huh. Then you're ready to like write a great essay or do a quadratic equation. The girls know when it comes to academics, they're going to be taught and they're going to practice and they're going to fail. And that's homework, right? There's like this expectation of learning. Uh -huh. But there isn't that expectation with relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I think I mm -hmm. would set that expectation. Yeah, that's a good one because it has to be learned to practice and um, failed. You have to fail sometimes. Right. You, you have know. to have some friendships bomb out. You have to have some breakups. You have to write mm -hmm. that this is all normal. And I think so. I think what makes the problem worse for so many girls is the feeling that they're alone, that they're the only ones going through this challenge mm -hmm. versus realizing, like, no, we're all in this. So you have two boys also. Yeah. Um, what are the transferable lessons that apply to the boys, but maybe more interesting, uh, what are the ones that don't apply? Mm -hmm. I'm going to... Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie likes that question. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to have to think of what doesn't apply later. I'm going to start with... Because the easy answer for what applies is all of it. There is nothing that we teach at Girls Leadership that is communication skills for girls or emotional uh -huh. intelligence for girls. That would be really weird if there was such a thing as like ways that girls and women should communicate. That's different <laughs> oh, than gosh. how boys and men like, should communicate. Oh my gosh, right? I think there's, there probably is courses like that. There probably and how it's, to, right? Because the heebie-jeebies, you know? right? <laughs> Um, so no, like what we teach is all like we still have our material from the Harvard Business School, like management courses. So mm -hmm. this isn't for girls or for it's mm -hmm. it's human. There's skills for humanity, but there's reasons why girls struggle with these skills that are different from boys because of cultural expectations on girls. So the cultural expectations mm -hmm. for girls mean there's more pressure to be polite, to be nice, to do what everyone else is doing. Like, it's not about, for a girls often, they learn even in preschool, it's not what you're doing at recess, it's like, who are you playing with? So what's the right note for girls and women 
to play when they're in a role, for instance, as a presidential candidate, where if, they sh if they're too loud and too bossy, they turn off a section of the population. If they're, if they're not forceful enough, they turn off another section. Like, how do, you, how do women and girls navigate this? And, and Are you turning this Bessel? podcast into advice for the 2020 candidates? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... Elizabeth, I'm talking to you. <laughs> um, Come on, let you too. I mean, we're really honest with our girls that there is a double standard, right? Uh -huh. It's not like, I mean, if we taught high school girls, just go in there and say what you really think and don't worry about what people think of you, right? Girls wouldn't trust us for a minute. So, I mean, we, uh -huh. we have to be honest. We have to be realistic about the complexities of it and that they are walking... Um, tightrope that men in the same position don't have to walk, right? So I think it's about, to me, the f freedom for, for most girls in learning to walk that tightrope is becoming more connected to themselves and their own voice. That I think if, if the focus is always on, if I go too far over here, that group's going to react. And if I go too far to the other side, the other group is going to react. And so then I'm not, then I become so distant from myself that I can't say anything authentically. Yeah, and right? authenticity sells the best. I mean, is delivered and received the best. Right, within certain confines. So like Michelle Obama will say, you know, if she says the, for example, the, um, if she were as, quote, authentic as Donald Trump, right? <sighs> they would not have left. They would, she would have been torn apart. Uh -huh. So you can be, I think, okay, Michelle okay. Obama's voice resonates because it is authentic, mm -hmm. but there's still boundaries on that mm -hmm. where she can't be 100% authentic, right? Because if she went off on somebody who made her really angry the way that, say, Donald Trump goes off on people, it wouldn't have been a second term. Right, mm -hmm. like she would have been completely may, turned out. She very well may have a different standard for herself too, which is in itself authentic. Like she just wouldn't like to act like that. Yeah, I would hope. assume there's some. So I think it's true that authenticity is key, and I think authenticity is what's effective, and I think authenticity is where there's power. Right, yeah, not yeah. learning to like be this marionette for different audiences. But I think it's important to be aware that within that authenticity for women and especially for women and girls of color, mm -hmm. there's repercussions. Mm -hmm. And so it's like authenticity yeah. within a channel. That's definitely <laughs> got to be practiced, huh? It's tough. That's got to be, I mean. That's a tough reality. What yeah. do you think as a dad? What, what could I do to help my girls um, practice that? Pra what are exercises almost? Or do I need to put them in some sort of, position that looks like what you're going to describe, you know? Right. Well, you took the girls' leadership course or not? I have not, no. You have, well, the, first the of girls all, have, I, think. I mean, you got to take the girl grown-up workshop, the to, girls' yeah. leadership. Yeah. What's, what we teach in the workshop that any parent can do, and we've got a lot of videos of this at the girls' leadership website, is the best place to help them practice is role play. And usually when we say the words role play, Parents who can be taking copious notes all of a sudden stop. And they'll just look up at me like, okay, I like this part of your advice. I like that part. But like, we're not a role play family. I'm not a role play person. 
right? So can, Nobody is a role play. So person. you're you have a um, your background is in theatrics and theater. Yes, right? but even that, as a theater person, yes. Like my team will sometimes say to me, like, "Oh, Simone, you're getting ready for that meeting. Do you want to role play?" And I'm like, "No." Like that's un- that's always uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, yes, I need to, and so I will. Uh-huh. But it's really, it's for, I think for many of us, it's uncomfortable. But yes, I think partly because my background's in educational theater, that's how I learned to teach is through doing. Yeah. Then that's what's at the heart of girls' leadership is we'd all oh. like to yeah. talk to our girls about this at the dinner table and not role play. Mm-hmm. That would be easier. Okay, so uh, paint a picture for me what the role play looks like. So your girl comes home, she was not invited to the birthday party, mm-hmm. right? And at one of your mythical family dinners that you have with her every night, oh. right? Um, you, um, she's, let's say, she's crying, right? That she's so upset, or she's she's visibly upset. So, what we generally recommend first is even before the role play, you just give her the chance. You practice understanding, and you give her the chance to just have empathy with her. Because so mm-hmm. often as parents, when our kids are upset, we want to take away their pain. Mm-hmm. And we want to be like, you're fine. You never wanted to be friends with her anyway. You don't yeah. really like her. Let me yeah, tell you why she's not. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah. So And so first it's just like giving her a chance of to say, yeah, you're upset. You're mm-hmm. left, you must feel left out. You must feel sad. You must feel hurt. All these things where often what girls learn in elementary school is like, I'm supposed to feel happy, calm, and confident all the time. And we don't even realize as parents, we're teaching them that when we say, you're not hurt. She didn't hurt you, right? So yeah, first, No one can break you. <laughs> exactly. You're bomb-proof. Look and at you. Is, there's this pressure right now with girls <laughs> that they're supposed to be not just strong. They're supposed to be like fearless. They're supposed to be yeah. warriors all the time, right? None of us can do that. So first, it's just like let her be a mess like let her feel all the feelings Mm -hmm. and then when she's ready when you say so what do you want to do about this at the dinner table she might be like nothing no like you don't understand leave me alone that's cool that means she's not ready to do anything about this Mm -hmm. so it's also she'll act when she's ready Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to be a warrior who's constantly taking action so it's letting her feel feelings take some time when she's ready and you say to her, what do you want to do? Not, let me tell you what to do, because I know exactly what you should do, and I want you to do what I've learned That's to do. That's a hard part, huh? That's really hard not to say, let me I, tell Even you. for, I've noticed this um, with women, mm-hmm. that, you know, us just need to listen. Right. And not give the solution. Yes. We hear, we get asked a lot if we'll do couples therapy at Girls Leadership, because of the nature of what we teach around communication really? and conflict. Yes. <laughs> The moms come to a couple of workshops and they're like, can you help me work with my partner? And uh, the answer is no, we don't do couples therapy. That would be mission drift. Um, <laughs> but yeah. we do teach what you're saying, which is don't solve your girl's problems or your partner's, like listen mm-hmm. and then facilitate them figuring it out. Because when we figure out things for other people, and um, I've been guilty of this uh, approach as a manager too it's like we're sending them the message you can't do this like Mm. you need me to solve your problems and the important long-term message we want to send our girls is you can totally do this right i believe in you you got this i have total faith that you're going to figure this out and Mm -hmm. that's why i'm not that's why i'm asking you what you want to do because i know you don't need me right that's the message we want to send by asking it's hard it's really it's much i love it i love all that i I love um I love watching them like figure things out. Right. And they might have bad ideas. 
right? Mm-hmm. The important thing is when their feelings are hurt or they're going through conflict, you want to get them from the moment of thinking, there's nothing I can do right now. I'm totally powerless to knowing they always have choices. Right? They always have agency. They can mm-hmm. always take steps. So even if their ideas are bad, they're starting to teach themselves or mediocre, maybe mm-hmm. not what you would want. <laughs> mm-hmm. As long as they start getting on the path, it's like brainstorming mm-hmm. of yeah. coming up with ideas. Yeah. They'll eventually get to something that could work, mm-hmm. right? So then the shift to role play is not everyone's greatest fear of like, let's role play. You don't have to make that announcement that makes everyone uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. You can just say to her once she's got some mediocre ideas, so what would that sound like? Like, how would you say that? Yeah. And Imagine then, so-and-so's walking up and... Right. So I'm uh, so-and-so, I'm walking up. How are you going to say that to me? Yeah. Because if we go back to the idea that she was left out of the birthday party. If you don't role play it, so you're, then you're not getting into the how of communication. Mm-hmm. She might say something to you like, I want to tell her how I feel uh-huh. for being left out. Right? If you're you just, think that's a good idea? Well, you might think. You don't know. Unless you see the how, you don't know if it's a good idea. Uh-huh. Right? Because the how could look like a hand on hip, sassy tone of voice. I'll do the G-rated. Like, I feel you're a jerk. That's not what they would say. But, yeah. right? I don't know your audience. Uh, so... It's for PG, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there actually was no emotions in there. There was no empathy in there. Right? So if you want your girl to get into a place where she can actually communicate effectively what she's feeling, like you mm-hmm. said, is that a good idea? It totally depends on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Who knows if it's a yeah. good idea? If, if that girl's a... The person she's talking to is a true friend, and that's someone who cares about her feelings. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. If that's someone who could care less about her feelings, probably another tactic. Yeah. But the point is, we have to teach our girls to go back to the like 2020 election question. It's the how that's going to make them effective. It's not just what they're saying; it's how they're going to say it, and and that can only come from role play and practice. There's no other way. What are some of the critical mistakes mm-hmm. that parents make when they're raising girls? Hmm. Um, shame time for parents. Uh, the critical mistakes. Well, I think there's mistakes we all make for boys and girls. Um, I would say there's a lot that of scripts that we learned when people were raising us as parents that mm-hmm. we pass on because it's all we have, right? We just mm-hmm. say, I don't know, you probably have this moment as a parent where you say something and you're like, did that just come out of my mouth, oh, yeah. right? Well, when I was your age, <laughs> right. my right. mom would have... <laughs> right, like that's ever been effective in hearing. That, yes. Right? <laughs> so I feel like some of the things that we talk about are, one I've, um, I mentioned is the whole feelings thing. When our girls are being their authentic selves and it's not easy for us like they're upset or they're hurt or they're hurt by us or they're any of the messy difficult feelings and we say you're not feeling that's you're you're being too sensitive you should get over it you're making too big a deal out of it like that's us taking away their self-respect for their internal experience and that we shame parents for doing we shame parents for that (laughs) we shame parents for that we shame them for what else do we shame uh the like blame thing um Uh a lot of girls struggle with not just girls all of us struggle with apologies because in our culture most of us were raised that when a conflict happens 
we're searching for a right person and a wrong person. Uh-huh. The wrong person is ashamed, so that's why that person so avoids an authentic apology. Right. So uh-huh. if we if you got two kids and they're fighting, the mistake that many of us make is saying like who started it? Who's uh-huh. to blame? That person should do all the apologizing, take uh-huh. on all that shame, and the other person's totally innocent. And that mm-hmm. model it's not re- real most of the time both people have messed up right we yeah. know if, if we co-parent with someone it's not usually one of us that's entirely to blame same thing with our kids it's not that that blame apology model is pretty faulty and and makes um apologies a really difficult practice authentic real ones not the sorry 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 that we all say it and just get through the day uh-huh. um I'd say the last one, the last shame place is the idea that conflicts are bad, right? I think so many girls, and this is very different than boys, are raised to believe that conflict is the end of the relationship. Like conflict is this bad thing. And if we teach our girls that, they're going to avoid conflicts. Mm -hmm. And anything we avoid, whether it's a skill set, it's cooking, it's a new language, any skill we avoid... We're bad at that skill. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna. That muscle's not gonna get strong. It's gonna atrophy. So I think if we want our girls to become Jedi masters of conflict, and I think it's one of the most important skills, personally, professionally, that any of our kids could have over a lifetime, is what do I do when I disagree with someone, right? Or my feelings are hurt. Like that stuff happens to all of us every day. So if we want our girls to become mm-hmm. highly skilled in that area. We need to begin early by looking at ourselves and how do we role model and how do we talk about them and their relationships and going, oh, yeah, conflicts happen all the time. Of course they're going to happen. They happen. How do we want to handle this in our own house? So I think just acknowledging that and not passing on this mythical BFF expectation to them that the main person in their life is going to be this conflict-free, do-everything-together relationship that's really Mm -hmm. toxic model yeah wow all right let me just go um let me go work on some stuff this is really thought-provoking i mean there's just such a power in good language and how we um you know keep a cool calm head and then like move through it yeah it's really good um Oh, does, does the growth of a girl uh, change in any way hmm. if she's in a house with another girl or like, you know, a boy-girl, you know, family, or, you know, is it different? Is there any change in dynamic? It's yeah, just... I think the only thing I would add is often really early, like when they're in preschool, there's an expectation for girls that, oh, they're going to be friends with the girls. And on the flip side, boys that a boy shouldn't be playing with girls, right? That there's this, this segregation mm-hmm. that happens early that's not always combated the same way that if there was segregation that were along lines of race or other things that we would be like, oh, that is, that's bad. We got to address that, right? Right. And it's really important for girls and boys, especially early in their development, to have friendships with each other, to have communication and to not have that mythical divide. And so I would say if you're in a house that has a girl and a boy, that's going to happen effortlessly because there's friends coming over and they're close to their sibling of the opposite gender. And so probably I would imagine um, it takes a little more effort or it does for me as the mom of two boys where I have to say, 
what about girls that we can invite to this party? And okay, but we don't want to have a girl who's the only one. We literally have no parties with boys. I have families that have two girls. I have a, there are couples. It's, it's all girls in our life. They don't have, they don't really right, even like, have, like, you said maybe develop one neighbor friend. Like they played together for 15 minutes. Yeah, so I would, I would work on bringing in that some friendships yeah. to show them that boys can be their friends too. Yeah. Um, well, this like time flies by. It's, I know, it's it. So, you're so Thank smart. You. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Holy cow. Thanks for your great questions. Thanks for having me here. Um, geez, I have 15 more. But I will ask you the, the, um, the last question, which I like to ask everybody, because at the end of the day, we, we do these podcasts um, um, for the, the fun of it and for like understanding the creative ways other people maybe it, um, approach their discipline. Mm-hmm. And you've sh- certainly shared that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also do interior design. So I'm, I, I like, like this question. You know, what is your favorite room in your house and why? Ooh. Um, I like, I have a 1952 house in Berkeley. Um, so mid-century modern and the dining living kitchen is all one open space Mm -hmm. and it's windows on three sides, floor to ceiling. So I just love being in that room. It's also probably 80% of our house. Like the bedrooms and bathrooms are tiny. Uh Um, I love being in that room because there's so much natural light and so much natural beauty. And I run a nonprofit, so I can't afford to buy art. So like the outside coming in, Uh that's, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, you don't have to worry about um, big art because uh, they don't really attach to windows very well. Exactly. <laughs> That's a beautiful awesome. thing. Uh, uh, what a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I have to now come really ignite myself by taking one of your courses. So I come with two girls? You can come with two girls. I mean, I just like, even though they're different age, it would be like a perfect uh, the, the grades are K1 takes programs together, then 2, 3, and then 4, 5. So depending uh, what grades they're okay. in. But I'll just do two I think you co-parent, so you could also share the wealth, and you can each go to one. Yeah. And you'll get the same language. Um, yeah, cheers, thank you.